Hello, fans, and welcome to episode number 32 of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. Today is Friday, June 17th. My name is Mike Fulta. I am the team broadcaster with the Gladiators. Uh, you can follow the Gladiators on social media, Twitter and Instagram at ATL Gladiators. You can also find team information on the team website as well. That's AtlantaGladiators.com. We have the head coach of the Gladiators, Jeff Pyle, on with us here. We'll get to his interview in just a few moments. Not a ton of team news here over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we'll touch on some of the stuff that's come over the wire recently. Uh, the most recent big news in the ECHL is that the Florida Everblades of the Gladiators' own South Division have indeed been crowned champions of the ECHL. They take home the Kelly Cup after defeating the Toledo Walleye in the Kelly Cup Finals. So a bitter congratulations to the Florida Everblades, one of the rivals of the Gladiators, and coincidentally, the team that the Gladiators will be playing the first two games of the 22-23 regular season. Remember that season ticket packages are available currently right now through the Gladiators front office. The best way to access those uh, season ticket deals is by calling the front office at 770-497-5100. Get in contact with one of our uh, inside sales reps, Trevor, Tory, Wyatt, Bailey. Any of them can help you out uh, with getting set up for your season tickets. They'll get you the lowest possible prices, and they'll be able to uh, seat you where you would like. We mentioned earlier that the Gladiators were number one in season ticket renewals for the first few weeks of the offseason. They were number one throughout uh, pretty much the entire league. Uh, they've since kind of fallen a little bit down the list as other teams have begun their own, their renewal process as well. But the Gladiators are still among the league's best in season ticket renewals. And so that means that Gladiators Nation is coming back in force for this 22-23 season. And a lot of people are already excited about it. Again, Opening night is going to be October 21st, a Friday night in October. We've got three games that opening weekend, two against the defending champion Florida Everblades, and then one on Sunday, the 23rd, against the Savannah Ghost Pirates, the newest team in the ECHL and Atlanta's newest South Division rival. It's going to be a nice little uh, Peach State rivalry between the two clubs about four hours away. Kind of funny enough, even though they're in the same state, Savannah's actually a lot closer to you know, Jacksonville and uh, Charleston, where the South Carolina Stingrays play. But nonetheless, there is definitely going to be a heated rivalry this upcoming season between the Gladiators and the Ghost Pirates. Those teams play each other 13 times over the course of this upcoming season. Eight of those instances will be at Gas South Arena here in Duluth. So again, Call into the front office to get those uh, season tickets. Single game tickets will be going uh, on sale in the next couple of weeks. Can't give you an exact date on that, but I can leak this information that um, the promotion schedule will be announced relatively shortly as well. That's going to be coming here in the next couple of weeks, along with some other big team news. So definitely pay attention to the team's social media channels. Like I mentioned, that's where a lot of these. Uh, updates get announced, and if you're a season ticket holder, you get those uh, the email press releases as well. Uh, and if you'd like to be on our email list, you can just ask one of our 
uh, inside sales reps, and they can uh, they can throw you on that email list so you get all of the Gladiators news as it comes your way. We mentioned we did have some kind of housekeeping uh, roster moves that were made over the last uh, couple of weeks here. We had uh, season-ending rosters announced earlier this past week. Uh, that was announced on the 15th, uh, I believe it was. And then before that, we had a protected lists uh, unveiled as well. And, and I'll kind of leave that to Coach Pyle here in our upcoming interview to explain he does a good job of kind of walking us through what exactly those lists mean because um, they are pretty similar in what they do. It's just a way for teams to essentially reserve players and, and uh, narrow down their their list of players' rights who they're, uh, they are protecting. We did have a trade uh, over the past couple of weeks as well. It's actually finishing up a trade that was made in the 2021-2022 season. So back at the very end of March, the Gladiators were all banged up on the back end, and head coach Jeff Pyle wanted to bring in uh, a steady anchor defenseman, and they did just that. The Glads traded Billy Constantino and some future considerations over to Wichita, and they brought over Jacob Graves, a guy who's been around this league a while, played two and a half really good years in Wichita, and was very solid in his short time with the Gladiators, including in the postseason when he was really playing injured. Uh, and then to fulfill the future considerations of that trade, the Gladiators had to give up Greg Campbell and Peter Bates. So it ends up being a three-for-one deal. Bates, Campbell, and Billy Constantino for Jacob Graves, who figures to be a potential cornerstone D-man for the Gladiators here in uh, years to come if they're able to re-sign him. Now, uh, it might seem like a lot to give up Campbell, you know, a versatile two-way guy who had been here in Atlanta for a couple of years, and Bates, a promising young rookie. Um, people were kind of bummed to see those two go. I am, was disappointed to see those two guys go as well, but uh, Coach Pyle will kind of go into that trade and the decisions that were made in our interview coming up here uh, in just a few moments. So we had a fun chat with him. We're going to bring you some more interviews throughout the summer as well. And again, the Gladiators will start to announce player signings uh, coming up here probably in the middle of July. Uh, teams are actually allowed to start signing players on the 16th of June. And so the Glads have uh, been in talks with players and Coach Pyle has signed a couple of players, but uh, those transactions will not be announced until later in June. We've got some other really cool stuff uh, to announce as far as uh, team news goes, one of them being the promotional schedule. Um, there's some other items I, I cannot really discuss right now, uh, but definitely pay attention to uh, at ATL Gladiators on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on Facebook. I should mention that uh, the Glads were up for a number of team awards uh, from the ECHL. That was a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Glads were nominated for those awards. The, the winners of those awards will be announced at the league meetings uh, on June 29th uh, in Las Vegas. And if you'd like to, you can watch the awards ceremony uh, on uh, Facebook Live through the ECHL. Uh, but the Glads picked up some some uh, pretty cool nominations, including Executive of the Year for Jerry James. Uh, so the Gladiators team president, Jerry James, nominated for um, uh, Executive of the Year. Uh, myself, yours truly, was nominated for Broadcaster of the Year, a great honor. So I thank all of you listening and all of you who have tuned in to 
Gladiators broadcast this past year for kind of making that a reality. Uh, and then Albert Sordo, our corporate sales director, was also nominated for um, Sales Individual of the Year. So uh, big congrats to Albert and to Jerry. We also had some team awards, including a Marketing Team of the Year. The Glads were nominated for Most Creative Revenue Generation of the Year. Uh, the team was nominated for Most Creative Ticket Package of the Year. That was that Sheen Pack. Uh, that the Glads were nominated for. You could buy a handful of pucks and four tickets. Um, and those pucks were signed by Sangoon Sheen, who really came into his own this past year with Atlanta. Uh, so that got the Gladiators a nomination as well. And uh, the Glads were also nominated for the Inclusive Spirit Award. Uh, that was uh, largely in part due to the Day of the Dead celebration the Gladiators had, uh, as well as other initiatives to get uh, different crowds involved in the sport of hockey. So all in all, seven team awards that the Gladiators were nominated for. That was tied with the Rapid City Rush for the most in the league. So um, big stick taps to everybody in the front office, everybody in the organization, and of course, to the fans as well for kind of steering this organization here uh, in the right direction and getting things back on track after the, of course, the, the 2021 season that was wiped out due to COVID. One year back from that, and here we are. Seven awards for the Atlanta Gladiators and uh, a huge response by our, our fan base uh, as well. You guys really showed out there in the last few, uh, last few months of the season, especially as we saw those attendance numbers really start uh, to tick up. And I'm sure you guys noticed as well in the stands, the uh, atmosphere in the building just kept improving and kept improving. And based on the numbers we're seeing here in the summertime, it is going to be a ruckus environment on that first week in October when the Gladiators take the ice against the Everblades and the Ghost Pirates. All right, let's get to that interview with Jeff Pyle, and then we'll wrap things up after that. Here's the head coach of the Atlanta Gladiators. And we are pleased to welcome back onto the show the head coach of the Atlanta Gladiators, Jeff Pyle, here in the offseason. Coach, uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, what have you been up to in these summer months? Uh, just uh, it's been an amazing fun this summer. We're moving. So we got to move out of one house into another house and trying to find a house around here is, I don't know, it's the toughest thing I've ever done. Not a great life. time to buy a house. Yeah, no, no, we're not buying, we're renting, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. So, but luckily we found a house in our neighborhood. So we just got to move around the corner, which is going to make it easy. Mm -hmm. but still you're moving and it sucks along yeah. with everything else. And then stuff going on with the team and trying to figure everything out and with the players. And so there's been a lot of stuff going on. Um, but other than that, I've been enjoying it. Been with the family a lot and cooking dinner and just being normal. C cooking dinner. What, 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 like you grilling out, out back or, or? Uh, we grill out a little bit, vegetables, stuff like that. Trying to stay away from the meat. Wife okay. doesn't like meat. So mm. yeah, every once in a while. So I sneak my burgers off when I'm <laughs> here at work. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Or when we go on the road, I was always getting if I'd get my steak in, that would where it would be be at. Okay. Yeah. And then uh I'm a decent cook, spaghetti, stuff like that, basic stuff. I don't make it too crazy. You can't say you're a decent cook and then lead off with spaghetti as like no, your like signature the, dish. But it's not I don't have a signature dish. I just do a lot of basic things really good. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Not, I'm not, There's something to be said for that. Yeah, I'm not out of the box. You know, okay. I, yeah. Um, well, I know that like it is kind of time off per se, but there's still a lot of stuff going on. 
just a few days ago. Uh, the ECHL and all the teams in it announced season-ending rosters and stuff like that. We've also got protected lists and qualifying offers coming up and all that. Can you kind of explain to us the difference between uh, the protected list, which we saw earlier in the summer, and the season-ending roster that was announced, uh, what was it, uh, July 16th? Yeah, well, I don't know if there's really that much of a difference. The thing is, eventually you got to cut your roster down. So when the first list comes out, you can have everybody on it. I can have guys from that I had as uh You had Chris Forney, Grant yeah, Frederick yeah, on I, there. I didn't even know I could have them on there. Like the guy <laughs> from the league put them on, you know. So I was like, okay, you know, I know they're not gonna play or anything like that. But so you can have everybody. I can have thirty people on that one. Well, the next one you gotta cut down to twenty. And a lot of that is you're some of the guys that you did have playing here that you can't fit in, you know, but guys that you'd still like to have back. Mm-hmm. Um and so then you got your 20 and then now you've got the time frame. I'm not sure when, when the uh, qualifying offers have to be out. Um, so now you got the time frame of signing guys from now, from the 16th until you have to qualify them. And then you can only qualify eight guys. So you want to get as many guys signed again as you can. So you, so you can save those qualifying yeah, offers. Yeah. Okay. And, and so hopefully you can get down. I mean, I'd rather have everybody signed, but if you can't, then you can put pressure on guys by saying, okay, I'll qualify you. And if they sign the qualifying offer, that's all they, that's the only amount of money they can make throughout the whole season. Okay. So if they don't, and then we negotiate something different, then I can bump them up or bump them down and stuff like that. If they want to help me on the cap, there's different ways. Like if it's a higher end player. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to be smart that way too, to help yourself on the cap. And you got to make sure that the guys are friendly about it because, you know, there's a lot of times where you're just so strapped on the cap that you need help from the players. And so it's kind of a, you know, kind of something that I think every coach does, but that's pretty much the process. And then you have the qualifying offers, you give them the qualifying offers. And if usually the vets, you don't do it because those expire by I think the end of August. Um, but the other guys, you have their rights for another year. If they go over to Europe and then come back, you still have their rights. So it's kind of a good thing that way. I'm curious how much like effort and mental consternation goes into making these protected lists and end of the season roster lists. Like, are those kind of given? Like, you pretty much know what those lists are going to look like, or is it strenuous to to shape those lists? Um, it's not really strenuous. You know what you're, you got going like the toughest one was the end of the season when I had to do the futures trade for futures. Mm. Um, because I made an agreement. I mean, at that time we needed a D bad, we were beat up and I was like, you're talking about bringing Jacob Graves over from Wichita. Yeah. And so at the time, um, we needed a defensive defenseman. I needed a guy that just was simple and, you know, moved it up, played our systems and, um, from what I found out from everybody I talked to, that this gravy was the perfect guy, and he was. He actually fit in absolutely perfect. The guys loved him, um, and so I had to give up a guy right away, which I did was Billy. Mm-hmm. And then I knew there were some other teams in the mix that were offering, you know, I, I'm sure a futures guy, one guy, you know. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be able to recruit all summer. There's a good amount of this group that I'm going to have back for sure too. Mm-hmm. So I'll find another player. So I know I'll lose a guy, but that's life. So, and Rammer said, Bruce Ramsey was the deal he was making with every team that he did futures with was you protect seven guys. And then I can pick two of the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about that when I went, yeah, I started thinking about seven guys, you know, okay, seven, all oh, there's probably 10 I'd really, really want to keep. Right. But in the end with recruiting and everything else, and if we get a little help 
more help from the affiliate next year, I'll still be able to fill those holes and there's a million players. Um, would I like to have the perfect scenario again of everybody back? Yeah, but you know, we still are, want to upgrade and be a better team next year. So uh, we were so close. I just figured that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I called Rammer and I said, I'll give you two players. Like, I mean, I, I, if I don't do this. To be able to expand the protected from seven to a little bit more than that. Well, yeah. Well, he said the seven, but I told him, I said, I'll give you two players for futures for gravy. Right. And so that way I ended up giving three players probably a little bit too much, but I know I can fill those holes. So it's not a big deal. And the bottom line, I could only protect seven guys. So I had to figure out that's where it got tough was, you know, do I need this D, you know, and then a lot of our guys were hurt. So are those guys going to come back healthy? Are they not, you know, so I had to take risks there. Um, yeah. So that's really when it gets mucked up or the toughest time is when you have a trade and you hate to make the trade because you love the guy you're trading, but you also know you're getting, you may give up a little bit of something, but you're also giving, getting back what you really need. Um, and the fans that, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect them to understand, you know, they're not in the locker room. They're not, you know, they're not seeing the guys playing. So, uh, and I don't read the chat board anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like I don't care what anybody thinks that this is why I get paid. Um, if I'm not doing it right, then you, you get, you know, you're mm -hmm. gone. So that's just the way it is. So it ended up being Jacob grades in exchange for Billy Constantino. And then the, the futures manifested in Peter Bates and Greg Campbell. Yeah. Batesy, a guy who, who, you know, a rookie who I think we all liked had come down from St. Norbert and, and Andy Brandt. Uh, and then Greg Campbell, who had been here a couple of years and, and had a pretty good year. I know he was playing banged up a lot of the season, uh, but was really versatile for you guys. And it's tough to see these guys go. But in return, you get a cornerstone D-man for this season. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is, um, you know, like I didn't trade those guys. You know, I could only protect seven guys. And yeah. I was hoping there was a couple of guys if they would have picked, you know, you hate to lose them, but I was hoping you know, not being mean, but I was hoping they would pick those guys. And and the rookies, McAvoy and uh, Batesy, I had told Rammer, I said, listen, you know, I know it's tough because a lot of our guys are hurt, but if you could, those rookies deserve to be free agents this year. They're only with us three or four weeks, you know, so it's tough for me to lock them down. I told them that when I signed them, I would let you guys be free agents, but at that time I hadn't made that trade. Sure. Um, but I just told Rammer, I said, listen, if you could, just don't take those two guys because – you know, I, I promised them they'd be free agents, you know? And mm -hmm. so he said, well, I'll try not to, but it's tough because you know, the, the way it was. So, uh, in the end, um, he took Batesy in. Yeah. I felt terrible about it because, you know, and soupy, both of them, cause I love them both. Um, but in the end, there's really nothing I could do. Your hands are tied. You take the risk, you live with it in the end, you yeah. know? So, uh, I always, uh, tell guys, I hope they're, you know, at some point they get to coach and they're in the position I'm in. So they'll understand the stuff that I go through, um, to worry about them, to, you know, try to keep them protected from agents, from, you know, making bad decisions, things like that. Like that, that's, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, but the toughest part is when you have to release or move guys, you know, that, yeah. you know, or you have a great team and you got to release a guy that, you know, can play in the league, but you know, what do you do? You know, so that's the toughest part. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, kind of moving on to a, a happier subject. I know that uh, we're recording this here uh, in the middle of July, a couple, a little bit ago on the 16th was the first day that uh, teams could sign players officially. Uh, we're not going to announce those signees until a little bit later here in the summer. So coach, without naming any names, <laughs> did, did you sign anybody yesterday? Um, without naming any names, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay, can you? I'm, I'm trying to think a, a way to to work around this without identifying the players. But uh, 
how how similar do you think that uh, I know it's early, but how similar do you think this 22-23 team will look to the uh, 21-22 team? Uh, there's a lot of guys that are very, like there were guys that uh, in the locker room, as soon as we were done, they're like, I want to come back. Mm-hmm. I want to come back. And I told you the story about Neely where he came in here after helping out a couple games and he was just like, I want to be part of this. You yeah. Know? Uh, so I, again, I knew we had something good going. And then that was the most emotional team I have ever had after a season ending loss. Uh, and, you know, and it was, you could tell that it was a tight group. They all loved each other. They all worked hard. Um, and I, the guys I've talked to since then have all said that, like, that's the best group they've ever had together. So um, it says a lot for them. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to, you know, try to get as many of them as I can back. And then I'm going to try and upgrade where I have to and um, be better. Mm-hmm. You know, we're that close to Florida this year. You know, every year we've gotten better and better. So I ain't saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> what, what does that process look like to bring a guy back? Like, do those conversations start like way back to the year previous? Uh, is that just kind of a candid conversation between you two? Like, what do you want to do this year? Um, but I mean, I know there are some some key pieces that that are going to be coming back this year. What does what do those conversations look like with those guys? Well, for a lot of guys, you know, as I'm talking to them through the season, like I'll give you for instance, like a guy like Gertz, I would just say, you know, hey, you know, what what are your thoughts for next year? You're looking to come back, and this might have been a month before the end of the season, you know, because mm. I just start feeling guys out. And he goes, yeah, I love it here. I want to come back for sure, you know. So you know he's going to come back, and then you negotiate. You know, it's simple. The negotiations, you're not talking about millions of dollars here, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, And then you just tell him, I've always told him, I said, you'll start at this, and then if you're playing, you know, higher than that, there's always money available on the cap, you know, because when guys get called up and there's money open, you can slide it to different guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's legal, and uh, that kind of motivates guys. I tell them, you know, if you want the, you know, you want the big bucks, then play like you, you deserve the big bucks, and you'll get it, you know. Yeah. So. Um, that's kind of how it works. And then with the guys at the end of the year, it's like gravy too. At the end of the year, I was like, do you want to come back? And he's like, yep. You know, so, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how it is. Guys either want to come back or they don't for the most part. You got some guys, maybe I'll go to Europe. Maybe I won't. But um, the guys like being here, like I said, I think the way I do, it's a little bit different. It's not, uh, you know, you go to some places and it's just straining, it's strainful from what I hear from guys and some of the stuff they go through. It's just some of the mentality of some I think a lot of people in this business take their stuff way too serious, like way too serious. And uh, it is a game, you know, although we're under pressure quite a bit, you know, I want guys to want to come to work. I want them to enjoy it when they're here. I mean, I want to enjoy it. You know, I don't want to be yeah. ragging on guys every single day. You know, that's why I either, you know, if they're not buying in, I get rid of them. I don't, I'm not going to waste my time. That's the way I've always been. And the key to me was I've always heard that you spend 90% of your time on 10% of your people. So I always get rid of those 10%. Like that's common sense. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three years of college at Northern Michigan where the end stands for knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, so, you know, we kind of mentioned some of the, uh, like the process of bringing guys back. What does it look like for new players? And you mentioned some improvements. Do you have like names on a list that are kind of your targets for, this upcoming season or is it more of a feeling out process through free agency? Well, here's how it kind of works for like um, how the process for recruiting goes. Like you go and you get a bunch of names and you talk to agents right now and they're all busy because a lot of them are worried about their, you know, higher prospects that might be draft choices out of junior or college or whatever. So the process is this, is you go to the, the draft comes, I think in early July or the, not the draft, the, uh, the, uh, 
what am I talking about here? It's not the NHL draft you're talking about? Yeah, sorry, the draft. And they're all, so, <laughs> okay. no, I was thinking of the the uh, the OHL, the other one when I was talking about mm. differently. So, that and once the draft happens, then all the NHL teams start putting all their names together and where which guys are going to be in camp, you know, and then they have mm-hmm. their prospects camps and all that stuff. And then the recruiting, and most of the agents don't, push those guys t- down to us until they, you know, because now college guys coming out are getting way better chances at, um, you know, being in the American league, maybe even getting, you know, a lot of young kids are coming out of college and starting right in the NHL and jumping right in, you know, or guys coming out of junior. So you have a lot of guys like that. So the hiring guys get, you know, kind of the first, you know, the more important time. And then you go into the next, next stage where all of a sudden it's American league two ways or one ways. And then that's when the guys start filtering through. Because every kid that comes out, junior, college, you know, the agent's saying we're going to get a two-way, we're going to get a one-way, everybody's going to get right. a contract. You know, we all know that's not how it happens. So the bottom line, when push comes to shove, now we're at that point where now you're picking and trying to choose and trying to find the right guy that fits you. Um, and these a lot of these kids don't realize how important it is, the decision they make, and that they do the homework on it. Because if you sign a two-way with the wrong team, you're stuck with that two-way and you might get buried. Um, if you're, you know, told, you know, you could be in the American league or you're going to be in the American league and now that doesn't happen and you're in the coast. Um, some guys can't handle that either. Like a lot of guys realize, Hey, I'm probably going to be in the coast and then I'm going to have to work my way back up. Um, but it's not as easy as you think because guys come down here and then they realize, geez, these guys are really good too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of the process of how it all filters out through the summer. And that's kind of, we follow that and we talk to agents because, you know, they're not throwing names at us right now. And then the biggest thing is the affiliate. When we, you know, start talking to them, they're going to say you're going to get, you know, anywhere from three to six players, four to six players. Uh, and this is kind of the names you might get. And then that's kind of when I start molding my team together, kind of around the guys we're getting from them. Okay. Well, that that's good insight there. I wanted to ask uh, enough kind of a, for the moment about this upcoming year, but to I want to ask you to look back and reflect on this past season um, starting with the playoffs uh, and those four games in Jacksonville, how much did four straight road games uh, to start the series affect you guys? I know that's kind of the the sour taste in everybody's mouth. Um, it's it's just a miserable feeling when you work your you know your butt off all year long, and the guys like you look at the season. You know, the first part we played pretty good. You know, there's a lot of things going on. You know, moving parts. We we're trying to figure out who we were. You know, we knew we had potential. We couldn't get out of our own way. Um, then we hit that time at the end of the year where all of a sudden, you know, we went on a heater for about 35 games. You know, like we went through like a couple of coaches were like, you guys went on one of the longest heaters I've ever seen, mm-hmm. you know? So then you're thinking, okay, now, and, and I'm looking at this as, you know, we had that three game series or four game series with uh, Jacksonville where we kind of sp- spread ourselves from them when we were in first place. Yeah. And so then we had a little room and now I'm like, okay, we, we got a chance. This looks good. You know, we got to stay smart. And all the guys were kind of feeding off the energy because we were starting to kind of peak a little bit. Um, so then all of a sudden you're starting to think, okay, maybe we get home ice advantage, home ice advantage. That'd be great. You know, so that's the first thought in your mind. So then we're getting into that last weekend. And then now we know we've got home ice advantage um, and the players didn't know it yet, but the rest of us kind of did knew that we weren't going to have a home game, you know, unless it got uh, worked out a different way. 
Um, so bottom, I shouldn't say not a home game, but in the first four. Right. Um, so I was kind of just keeping that under my own breath because I wasn't sure until I said, until it's all done, we don't know because um, anything can happen. So, you know, something can drop out or whatever, you know, so it could open up a date. Um, so then we went in that last weekend. So now I'm like, okay, w- the biggest thing, again, you know, you're thinking of the playoffs, you're thinking of the situation, but now you're going, this is a chance for us to hop over Florida and maybe send a message, you know? So I'm thinking those two games, as important as they might've been, might not have been, you know, did it matter? Did it? I wanted the guys to at least go out and attack it, you know? And I knew how beat up we were, but we went into Florida and we played both games. Great. Like we had every opportunity to win both games, you know, and Mm -hmm. we just weren't quite there. And you can say because the other guys weren't there, we didn't get guys down from Ottawa, but the group that went in there had the chance to win, you know, that little window that we always say was open, but we didn't quite do it. But, the bottom line, first place would have been great, but it wouldn't have made any difference. Okay. So now, you know, you're beat up. Now, you know, you know, you're playing Jacksonville and, and we knew we, we matched up good with them, but you know, you're sitting there thinking, you know, the league's telling you, well, you're the home team on these games, but you're not really, you know, I mean, that's what you get telling. last change. Yeah, yeah. You get the last change, you know, and you, know, you got to imagine that the fans are cheering for you, you know, I guess, <laughs> you know, um, but it's just, it was just lame and it just, the feeling through the locker room, was just disappointment, you know, just, you could feel it, you know, guys were bitter, you know, we earned it, you know, we hadn't been in playoffs for a while. We've been through a lot of adversity because of the last couple of years and there was a bitter taste in everybody's mouth. Um, you know, we still came out first three games. We were in every game. We made yep. a comeback, you know, that people will remember for a long time. Um, and even the last game we lost five zip, but it was tight, you know, and we were so beat up. So, um, I was disappointed for the players that they didn't get a home game, disappointed for the fans that they didn't get a home game, the organization, because they earned it too. Um, but in the end, th- it wasn't the excuse by any means because we were in every game. We had every opportunity. We just didn't finish it off ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line, the most disappointing was just, you know, we kind of, we earned it and we didn't get it. So yeah, that was a bitter, bitter taste. And I think everybody's mouth. You mentioned those first three games. Each of the first three games in that series in Jacksonville were all one goal games. Like, how much of it? I know you guys ran into the goaltender of the year and Francois Broussard. <laughs> That's yeah. a nice little little present yeah. for you in the first round. How much of it was kind of him being hot? How much of it was Jacksonville's style adapting to the postseason? Like, what do you think was one of the main factors as to why it was so hard to kind of gain momentum against that Jacksonville team that you guys, I don't want to say had dominated, but had won seven of 11 meetings against in the regular season. Um, First of all, we were beat up. That was the biggest thing. Um, That was the most, you know, you like, you got guys that are on like Niels is on one leg. You know, you got guys that are same thing. You had three guys with, you know, hamstring issues or, you know, thigh or whatever. A couple guys with shoulders that, you know, and they're battling through it you know, like shift to shift. Sometimes they'd have to sit out, you know, but we didn't have any other guys. So that's just what it was. We had so many guys injured that we didn't, couldn't even pull guys off the, you know, <laughs> the reserve. Yeah. Um. So that was the biggest thing. Um. The effort was there. Like there was no doubt in my mind that the effort was there. You know, every part of the game that we needed, the biggest thing, and I talked about it all year is, you know, you can't look at excuses of, you know, why they're not there. I always said that when guys aren't there, that's the point when other guys step in and they step up and it's, you know, again, we create a memory, you know? Um, so we had all the opportunities and the goaltending, that guy was the difference maker. I mean, when I looked at it afterwards and I knew 
that was close and I knew both I, our goaltenders played well too. It was tight games, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and in the end, you know, like I said, I was disappointed for the guys cause I thought they deserved better, you know? Um, but we had all the opportunities we needed. And then I was just sitting there thinking, you know, God, I remember we outshot them a lot. This was a couple of days afterwards. And then, and I knew it was late in the game. We outshot them a lot. And then I looked at the numbers and I counted it. It was 58 to 16 in the third period in four games. Yeah. We outshot them. Like 58 to 16 is absolutely ridiculous. And we had the chances and we probably still had opportunities that we should have scored. Cause I always said when I didn't score, it wasn't because the goalie was good. It was because I missed the opportunity. You know, like I, I have the advantage stick on my puck. Um, so there's no excuse, excuses there. He's a good goalie. We missed the opportunity. That was the only disappointing thing, too, was, you know, we would have, could have, you know, should have. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of what we're all doing. You know, we should have had a home game. We should have been able to move on in that second round. We played good enough, you know. Um, but in the end, it was what it was. They were a good team. We were a good team. It's one of the best divisions in the league. Um, and it's only getting better. Yeah. So. And uh, well, it, it, no doubt it produced the uh, the Kelly Cup champion, the Florida Everblades. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, that game two comeback, you guys score four unanswered goals, <laughs> force overtime, a crazy last second goal by uh, Cody Sylvester. What was that like on the bench? I don't know. Like it's you know you're down four nothing, and you're not gonna you know you're not gonna complain to anybody. But it was kind of like what we did all season. We had a, we did, did the same thing in Jacksonville. Before, you know, earlier in the season, we had that comeback and then turns he scored in overtime. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, here we go again, one at a time, you know. And so we started, we got the first one and then, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of feel it like it wasn't like, okay, we got the first one, we're on our way. You know, it was kind of like, okay, like, come on, let's get the second one. Yeah. Everybody's thinking the same thing. And then we got the second one and you could see on their faces as they went by our bench. It was like, you know. And I was kind of chirping them. I was like, here we come, here we come, you know, like just trying to get into their kitchen, you know, Yeah, that's, that's what I do. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> Play to your strengths. Um, and so then all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting there and we'd score. I think the second one, we were pulling the goalie as they were rushing, you know, and I think they scored on a rush. We, you know, Hugo scored the shorthand or I don't know if shorthand, I don't remember, but Hugo scores that one. And then all of a sudden, I think, was that the third one? I can't remember. I want to say the oh gosh, this I'm going back now. Uh, didn't Mike Turner have the third one? Maybe like a slap shot from from up yeah, high. Yeah, Turnsy had the third one. Yeah, Hugo had the second one. Then Turnsy had the third one. That was the just third a laser. one. The third, yeah, the third yeah. one was a slap shot with the goalie pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then the second one was Hugo coming. Yeah. Down. Bernie came across and Hugo was on the other side one time. Yeah, and I, and I think we were pulling the goalie as they were rushing. Yeah, I don't know if he even got <laughs> off. <laughs> So, and then, and that was at like the four minute mark when that all yeah. started, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so then all of a sudden, you know, I just like, like, let's just go, let's go with it. You know, like, yeah. or, because we were amazing and I just told everybody, just press up. Uh, everybody's going to press and we're going to, you know, let's just, if we get a chance and I knew we'd get a chance because in every hockey game in the history of the world, almost that team always gets a chance at the last second. You mm -hmm. know? So I was expecting it. And then we, you know, we were getting a lot of chances and we weren't scoring. I'm like, oh God, like, oh God, you know, you're starting, like, it's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden at the end there, I just saw the scrum at the net. And I've seen that in hockey. And I'll go back to 1968 or 69. I was at a North Star game and they were playing playoffs, game six against the Montreal Canadiens. And they scored a goal 
right in the last second and it didn't get counted because there was no video or nothing like that. And it was both teams were going crazy and the North stars guys were chasing after the refs and everything, <laughs> but it always happens. You always get that sniff at the end and then we scored it. And, uh, again, we go into the locker room and we're just, here we go. Like, yeah. you know, get on the right, you know, let's, we're riding the wave again, you know, and that's just the way the team was. It was all year long. It was just all year long. We always found a way to win. And then we had a couple where we throw up on ourselves too. Like that, that, that one that killed us was that two, one against Soko. You know, where we way early in the season, we had a one, nothing. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're stabbing the, stabbing some fans in the heart with, with that memory. Oh. It was at two and 14 seconds. Yeah. It was the worst, the worst decisions in the history of hockey I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> at least that was in November though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was us. I mean, we were good enough to win and we were just too stupid. You know, and I hate to say that word, you know, it's probably not supposed to be used, but we were, we would, we would shoot ourselves in the foot for absolutely no reason. Um, and I kept telling them, you guys get out of your own way. You're going to be good. You know, and mm -hmm. then we did, you know, so yeah. Crazy. When, uh, when, when Sly scored that, uh, that goal to tie it at four and send it to overtime, they, there was a pretty lengthy video review. Uh -huh. were, were you able to kind of look at the replay and see like, yeah, we're good. What, what were guys thinking and saying on the bench? Cause I was able to look over and just see everybody staring up at the video screen. Uh, they might have only shown the replay once, I think, uh, in Jacksonville, because they maybe knew that uh, that it was in. But uh, I'm curious as to what it was like for you guys on on the bench. Um, I don't know about the other guys. I was pretty positive. I mean, I was just thinking it was in just by our reaction and everybody coming to the bench and their the look on their faces. You know, yeah. so I was like that. That's in, and maybe I had myself buffed buffaloed and i wasn't gonna complain if it wasn't in but you know that that was one where you're like you know they deserve that goal and this this game deserves to to, to end in overtime yeah so that's all i wanted i just want to get to overtime yeah well it, it, those those first three games especially were uh, were a lot of fun to watch glad's coming up short uh and all three unfortunately i know you you mentioned that your team was so banged up uh I think of guys like Mike Pellick, who got hurt in February. Uh, Cam Kiley had been out for a while. Florentino had been out for almost the whole season. Nault. Uh, yeah. Cameron, Cameron Nault. Yeah, another guy who was, who was hurt all year long. Yeah. Um, how close were any of those guys to coming back? Not None of them were close. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and we kept, you know, and some of them were mad at me because, like, I, not, I shouldn't say mad, um, but when I had to put in the playoff, list you know yeah. i talked to him and i looked him in the eye and said hey like how's it feel like are you close and they're giving me oh yeah it's close and pelly's out there and practiced you know with only one arm you know it's close <laughs> it's close you know i'm like no it's not close you know and you were i was hoping that they would be able to battle through and be there on time you know um but once i realized that they couldn't you know i knew we were going to be a little short and those are big guys in our lineup you know that had that group gone in with those guys in the playoffs, we're through that first, first yeah. round for sure. And that's got to be frustrating, too. You look at that Florida team that made it all the way through, and they were they were almost 100% healthy yeah. entering the postseason. And, and even when the Gladiators, when you guys played them in in those last, you know, last couple games there in April, they were almost totally healthy. And where, you know, a team that went on to win the Kelly Cup, like Florida was trending upwards in health, the gladiators were trending downwards in health and guys were, were getting banged up left and right. Yeah. We, uh, we couldn't catch a break. Like we yeah. could not catch a break. And like the very last game in Jacksonville, Niels comes to me, he goes, hey, I could, 
I can play if you want me to. And I'm like, no, I said, you're, I'm not going to do that to you. You know, like, yeah. I said, if we can't win without you, you know, then we don't win. But that's, you know, like, that's the way those guys were. If like Soupy had one arm, mm-hmm. you know, Gravy's elbow was hyperextended, you know, which is painful too. And he's battling through it. Um, but I look at those, again, those last two games against Florida, they had everybody, they were loaded up. They were getting guys sent down from, you know, uh, Milwaukee and everything. And, you know, here we come in with our group, you know, the, the misfits, you know, whatever you <laughs> want to call them. Um, and everybody played for each other. And, and again, a hundred out of a hundred times, I would take that team over any team in the league. You know, mm-hmm. like I would go into any game at any time with the team we had. Does it surprise you that Florida won? Did you think they were a team good enough to to win the whole thing when you saw them in the regular season? I knew they would, their game would, would, uh, would kind of trend up. You know, they always do. They always do what they have to in the regular season. And then once the playoffs come, um, it's tough because there are, are good teams, but yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, Florida and Toledo or and Newfoundland. Wow. That's, that's a stretch. <laughs> you know, like it's every year. Called that, yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, oh, it's the Yankees in Boston. Wow. Oh my God. You know, like <laughs> surprise. <laughs> it's just boring for the yeah. league. I think, you know, I'm glad, you know, they are what they are, but it's, it's, just, it's no different. You have your Minnesota twins in this league and you have your New York Yankees. It's just the way it is. And and I've always, I've always told Craig and, and Brad, I always tell them that I'm just here to make your life miserable. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do. Well, you certainly did that uh, to Florida <laughs> a few times this year. Uh, we're going to be seeing them the first couple games of the season in October. Like those games, October 21st and 22nd at Gas Out the Arena are going to be insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I looked at the just the schedule yesterday, and I usually don't look at a lot of it when we first comes out. You know, and just I, I hear more from the guys. Oh, lots of three and threes. You know, this yeah. stuff like that. You know. <laughs> And then uh, when I looked at it, we start with Florida, and then we end up with Florida and Jacksonville, just like last year. Yeah. And I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> like I wouldn't want it. I don't want it easy. I want it to be. I want it to be as hard as it can be, so we're prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what it's that's what it's all about. If you don't want to play hockey that way and for that experience, then you shouldn't be in the game. What about uh, the team that you play on the twenty third of October? So that's the Sunday of that first weekend. The Savannah Ghost Pirates. We're going to be seeing them for the first time in that opening weekend. Um, you've actually been in situations where a team is coming into a city for the first time. When you uh, came here originally in what was that, 2003, mm-hmm. uh, with the Gwinnett Gladiators in their first year, what challenges is Savannah going to face, and in particular, uh, their head coach Rick Bennett in year one? Um, you know what? I don't. You know, when we came in, it wasn't that hard. Like, I mean, the different, I shouldn't say it wasn't that hard, but when we first came here, um, you know, we, we were one of the best organizations in the league because of the building, because of the city, you know, and so, and I was out recruiting and I was at the draft and introducing myself to agents and stuff and saying, hey, we got a brand new building. Um, I'm going to, my thing is moving young guys up. So if you have anybody falling through the cracks, that was my deal, you know, mm-hmm. and then I started getting guys pushed to us. And then that year we had 14 rookies on our team. And that year we went to the conference finals. So you can do it. Like, it's not, it's not like your team the first year is going to lose that. That's not the way it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's going to be an eye opener. It's, it's a different league. You know, the, you know, you go from you know 22 guys to 16 like that, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're just scrambling and finding guys and, 
Um, that's probably the toughest part is getting used to the league and learning it. And then once you do that, you know, and then obviously it's a brand new team. So you're going to have to figure that out too. But um, yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think every team's going to be good in our division. Mm-hmm. And I think every team in the league is good. You just go through, you know, sometimes you go through, you're short, you're injured, you know, or you, sometimes you got teams where guys just leadership's not great. So guys check out. Um, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, there's so much talent in this league and, you know, there's so many good coaches. It's such a fun league to be in. Uh, we saw that, uh, Nick Luco got a nice contract extension as the head coach of, uh, the Jacksonville Iceman a little bit ago here this summer. I'm curious, this season series between the gladiators and the Iceman, do you think there's going to be some animosity there between the, the leftover remnants of, of, uh, both sides teams last year, or does that just kind of become water under the bridge after, a a hard playoff series and a hard regular season between the two sides as well. Yeah. I kind of think, I kind of think you hate guys no matter what, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you just do. There's some guys you just don't like, you don't respect the way they play sometimes, whatever the issue may be. But the other side of it is I always try to create a, you know, kind of a professional, healthy uh, rivalry, you know, like we can, hate each other on the ice, but after the game, guys are usually talking, you know, and I Mm -hmm. always say hello to the coaches and good luck and whatever, you know I mean? It is what it is, but um, the seventies and eighties are gone. You know, the egos of these guys, you know, that, that think they're geniuses. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's gone (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because we're not geniuses. I mean, it's hockey, you know, you, you get guys, you motivate them, you know, you hope you get the right guys at the right time. There's so many intangibles uh, to get all the, the parts of the puzzle together and you know when it comes together like it did last year or the last three years the way it's kind of come together every year it's been a lot of fun there's been a lot of exciting games we've had some great comebacks some great wins the organization is you know chasing the top teams again um so that's been fun too mm-hmm. well also on the schedule we have a couple northern swings uh up to- <laughs> Let, let's see here uh redding pennsylvania we've got maine uh, on the docket and Adirondack as well. And those are coming up in some cold months uh, yeah. to, to boot. So. Going, going up north is always tough. Yeah. It, just, it just is. It's because it's always cold. Like you go to Toledo, it's usually snowing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually cold. And, you know, but it's such a great atmosphere too to play. And I like playing up north. And then the Canada trips are really hard too, you know, like because it's, it just is. Like going to Newfoundland, like the flights in and out of there and just, it's just tough. Yeah. And, um, but the ones up north, it's usually a pretty good bus trip. And then you get to go to, you know, the history of all the teams in this league, like going up to the north back in the day, you'd go to Johnstown, you know, Reading. I mean, Adirondack, there was everything. Elmira, you know, and they all had their own little, you know, like in in Elmira, we got there the night before a game one night and uh, they had a game that night. So, you know, a couple of us went over and watched and just the mentality of the fans, like in Elmira, like every five seconds, someone's yelling, hit somebody or fight. So, <laughs> and you get to see the crowd, and you're like, okay, that, you know, but um, that's what this league is. The fans are, I don't want to say it's a cult, it's a good cult, I guess. Um, they just, you know, they just thrive on the ECHL, on these players being around, because I think it's more of a hands on thing, you know. Uh, they get to kind of be around the players and they get to know them because a lot of these players stay in the same, you know, spots for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's a great league and going up North, it's tougher. You know, like I'm from Minnesota. My wife always tells me I'm one of the, 
She always tells me whenever I say I'm cold, little big tough Minnesota guy, you know. <laughs> and I just just don't I don't want to go back to Minnesota again because it is cold all the time. <laughs> and there's mosquitoes in the summer. And, yeah. Um, You've been spoiled here in the South. It's Division. beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It you know the North is amazing, but again, it's you know, when we go up there, it's always cold. There was a. It's escaping me. There was a team that had a bus breakdown right uh, this year. Was that was that maybe Reading? I think they were coming from Maine. I want to say. But uh, have you ever had like like bus incidents up there, up north, where you're kind of stuck in the woodlands and all of a sudden you're on the side of the road? No, we we've had I've had good breaks on that one. Like we we had a a bus breakdown one time when we were in the Florida areas where we had no air conditioning and we were in the middle of a long trip and it was a it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, and the only only time I've had bad luck was when we were in junior one time our our bus spun out of control. And it didn't, it didn't, it just crashed into a snowbank um, and nothing really happened. Okay. <laughs> but that was the only time we ever. Spiral, spun out of control? How yeah. do you spin a bus? I mean, well, you're, you're going down a small street going from Austin, Minnesota back to Bloomington, Minnesota. And we're playing cards in the back of the bus and there's just snow everywhere, snowbanks everywhere. And it's just snow it's minnesota that's all i'm gonna yeah. say <laughs> and it's like february or march so it's snowy and uh we're driving down the street and all of a sudden we see you know my chair is facing the front so i see the you know the bus starts to slide a little bit and it slides to the left a little bit and then it slides back to the right a little bit and it starts but it starts to the left and we all go whoa <laughs> and it starts to the right whoa and then the just spun the whole thing just spun around. It went this way, then this way, and then it went all the way around, and then just landed into the. So it did like a couple of... fishtails, and then a three or like a one eighty, three sixty, two seventy. Yeah, 270, so yeah let's we'll, call get, it that. we'll call it two seventy, two seventy, two seventy one, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so yeah. like, were you guys going flying all over the like interior, or you guys? It, it happened so slowly that you were able to like stay. Yeah, in your we seats were all just kind of in our seats. The only thing that happened was there was a big thick. Uh, uh, piece of wood that we were using as like a a, a, a card table mm. and that someone had set it up top and it had come down and it had hit this guy across his chest and arms and it if it would have hit him in the face it would have taken it like it would have just it would have been he would have been toast yeah so that was like and he ended up with bruises across his arm and chest for probably about two weeks but that was the only thing that happened. Other than that, we were all just kind of, you know, just hanging out and watching. You know, <laughs> it happened so fast you didn't even really remember. But we we also at first we thought it was funny, you know, like yeah. it's it like a little sliding. You know, we're like whoa. whoa. <laughs> then after when we started the big spin, I think the whoa stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the holy <laughs> just started uh... yeah, as we pooped our pants. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys have to like get out and push that thing out of the the snowbank then? Or no, was... we we waited and then they came this. Uh, this tow truck came and it was like a little Toyota, like a tiny little Toyota tow truck. And yeah. we're looking like that thing ain't pulling us out. <laughs> yeah. So then we had to walk up. There was like a, a bar restaurant up like maybe half a mile. So we walked up there and then they pulled it out and then we got going again. But yeah, Minnesota during the junior times when we had to do that in the winter, that sucked. <laughs> like just absolutely sucked. Well, we don't have to go west at all this yeah. year. It's just north. I think yeah. Atlanta is actually going to be the furthest west, I want to say, that uh, that will be. But uh, it should be interesting. We have the Fort Wayne Comets coming to town uh, mm -hmm. as well. Uh, you ever have any like uh, good run-ins with them? I know they've been pretty good over the last couple of years. Um, 
when I was in Evansville, I was coaching there for a little while. We had a pretty good rivalry with them there. And then uh, back in the day, because of the Franke brothers, um, way back in the day when I played in the IHL, we we played in Fort Wayne all the time. It was amazing. Like, what's the crowds. Memorial Coliseum? What's that building like? Just an old Coliseum. It just looks like an old Coliseum. Big and square. Yeah, it's just no. It's big, kind of a big round building. I think. Okay. On the inside, I just remember, and it seats about eight thousand. It's always rocking, you know. Like, so it's fun to play and like really good. And they've always had good teams for years. Yeah. Well, it should be fun uh, this year, Coach. Thanks for filling filling us in here on some of the information from this past year and and the off season and looking ahead as well here. Uh, kind of any closing thoughts uh, on the twenty one twenty two season? I know we went over the. The series a lot. It was a really fun team to watch. You mentioned uh, so hot in the second half of the season. So many different characters and and so many guys had career years as well this past season. Coaching. <laughs> oh yeah, not a, we haven't uh, we haven't had you on the show since uh, since you've won the twenty one twenty two John Brophy Award. Congratulations uh, again on <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Where did that uh, Where did that little plaque go? It went into a box. Okay. I don't I don't I don't put my plaques out. <laughs> I took it out so my wife could see it because she'll get mad if I don't show it to her, and then I put him put it away in a box. Okay. Well, congratulations, all the same, well deserved. It was a it was a fun team to watch. Uh, but any any kind of closing thoughts on, on that group? Um, yeah, like uh, it was a great group, but I was really I was really happy for the fans, for the organization, everything like that. And I want to thank Derek Nesbitt for everything he's done for us over the years. I'm not sure if he's going to retire or not, but um, and I'm not going to speak for him, but just the leadership and all the stuff he did and just the year he had, you know, and I know everybody questions, you know, Oh, he's an older guy and stuff like that. Um, you can't find character and leadership, you know, just by, you know, recruiting. Um, he's learned that throughout the years through Brownie, through the places he's been through everything he's done. Um, and that is huge in that locker room and, and with Sly, with Pelly and the group that we had, um, you know, last year they were good, and I think it'll carry over to this year that the leadership they'll send. And now they realize, you know, what it takes to win and how we did win. Um, so hopefully we can just, you know, start right there from for next year when we get everybody back. Yeah, no doubt. I know we're all excited to to see some of these signing announcements coming up uh, later in July once we... <laughs> <laughs> Once we don't name names quite yet, uh, we might have dropped a few hints on uh, on this show. But, uh, Coach, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you probably closer to the start of the season once we get fired up for training camp here. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate what you do, brother. Always a pleasure to chat with head coach Jeff Pyle. He is a great time, and, oh, my goodness, he has such a wealth of stories. We could just go on and on and on with him, and we'll, we'll have him on uh, a bunch more probably right before the start of the year and then throughout the season. As well. In the meantime, we'll work on getting some fun interviews for for everybody, um, whether they're old Gladiators players or just uh, Atlanta sports media personalities as well. We'll be bringing you guys those guests throughout the summertime. But uh, enjoy the Fourth of July. Enjoy the uh, the hot weather outside. Try to stay cool if you can, and we will see you next time here on the Atlanta Gladiators podcast.